when we were mixing out together for the greeting, I had a, a couple come up to me, um, Gary and Pam, but, uh, and, they, and they said, hey, could we do the, the study discipleship book together and count it as mentoring? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's no limitations. Get in with someone else. It's always good to get in with somebody that may know a little more, been Christian longer, and, and get in with them for eight weeks. That would be just paramount. So thank you guys for encouraging us and encouraging me. As we go through week two of Worldviews, when you have a crisis, which we're all going to have, John 16, 33, we're all going to have crises in our life. Which worldview are you going to embrace? Which one? We've gone through like four. We're going to do a couple more today. Then we're going to settle in with just some really cool biblical worldview because that's our worldview next week you're going to see okay how much of a biblical worldview do i have but that'll be for the quiz that you take home that you can do online that will just go to you and you don't have to share it with anyone um, but that's only if you want to do it you don't have to do it so week two uh welcome to week two hey good thing i found you gideon Seems someone has been hiding all your Bibles in hotel rooms. <laughs> yeah, that is cute. That is cute. I've got some other, um, some other cartoons sprinkled through the, uh, the message because they have to do really with worldview. And I think you hopefully will appreciate them. Uh, they'll be what's called a state change. Give your mind just a, a little uh, quick breather and change of state so you come back a little more attentive. I know, it's neuroscience research. Um, but it's how I kept my last job for 15 years. Okay, um, anyway. Hey, essentials to our biblical worldview. Essentials to the biblical worldview. By, by the way, you say, Pastor Don, this isn't going in order. At the top, you say, worldview's goal. Assist us in appreciating where people are coming from in life and encourage them to find a life with Jesus, one person at a time. That's, that's, that's the goal. And so, especially today and next week, then in order to make disciples, we must develop and practice a biblical worldview. So we'll, get, we'll learn how to hone in, on, hone in on that. Sorry. Thanks for letting me see that. Of these... Which, which two are not essential, are not part of the drivetrain? Which two things? And you don't have to call them out, but just think about it. Like the other, the other eight, I would like really stay around for an argument if the people wanted to argue. <laughs> if they don't want to argue, if somebody wants to argue about doctrine and, uh, and you're like, yeah, I'll fight with them, understand that you're probably, even if you win, you're going to lose. Because they're going to be like, what a prideful, <sighs> whatever, <laughs> whatever you would say. <laughs> um, just, just no good. So, so keep, keep that in mind. 
What's the first one that's just not, not an essential? Number one's not an essential. You might, we might have people in our church, but yeah, you can walk away from your salvation. You can renounce God. You can do. And, uh, but no, not, not part of the drivetrain. It's like, well, I hope you'll find security if you're born again to embrace Christ. And so that being said, John 10, 27 through 29 says that Christians... We're, we're in the palm of the hand of Jesus. Nothing can snatch us out. And then in that verse you keep reading, there's another hand. It's God's, God the Father holding Jesus. It's called the double grip. And so, yeah, so, but, but that's not an essential. Some people that come say, well, I'm sorry you feel, you know, you can lose your salvation, walk away from it. I don't feel that way, but keep worshiping with us. You know, you're not going to have a problem with that. You think differently. I think differently. We'll agree to disagree. We'll be okay. The second one is baptism. Baptism's not an essential. And so, and so, I mean, you can go to Romans 6, 4, and look that baptized and uh, identified with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, but, it's, but it's not an essential to our faith. Well, I sprinkle at my church. Oh, okay. Well, you'll get less wet. And, uh, but if somebody in their heart is following the commission to be baptized, even though baptizo means to submerge, if they translate that to sprinkle, you're covering with, with, with water, sprinkling, okay, we'll agree to disagree, and that's okay. But these other ones, substitutionary atonement, um, 2 Corinthians 5.21 for that. That's a good verse for that. Um, also, um, Romans 6.23 is good for that. Monotheism, one God, Deuteronomy 6.4, that's important. One essence, three persons, that's, that's paramount to our faith, paramount. The Trinity, Matthew 28, 18 and 19, particularly verse 19. Trinity is not even mentioned in the Bible, but it describes the Trinity well. And uh, all three persons of the Trinity, 100% God. 100% deity, Holy Spirit, 100% God. Jesus, 100% God, Colossians 2.9. Holy Spirit, you just got to look at Ananias and Sapphira, their judgment. You'll see, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. In the next sentence, you've lied to God. And then we've got uh, God the Father. Virgin birth, Isaiah 7.14. Yeah, you got to can't just be Joseph uh, where there's no deity in that. That's a, that would be a problem. Uh, resurrection in Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. You'll see it in uh, the whole chapter, actually. Um, salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. John 14, 6. Sinless life of Christ. Hebrews 4, 15. So we would have a high priest that we could follow although it was tempted in every way, did not sin. And then we got uh, the baptism. So anyway, hey, another, another little quiz today. Another little quiz today because that's, that's just good. Fill in the blanks from last week. You see, I know there's some good research that says, hey, about 20 words on a slide, okay? <laughs> I haven't... 
Uh, well, I, thank you. <laughs> I always look to the parishioners to help me <laughs> with things that I, it appears I don't know. <laughs> okay, no, I'm just kidding. So yeah, fill it in. You can do it yourself and get ready to call out the letters. You can kind of see biblical worldview. Is it A, B, C, or D? Nihilism. Look to see and get ready to, you can write it down in your bulletin if you want or on your notes if you want. You're like, no, too many words. Give me a smaller slide. I'm not going to disagree. I'm not going to. I am going to try to find my water. Okay. I'm in good shape. Okay, so the first one is what? Biblical worldview is A, B, C, or D. Okay, class. We're going to just, uh, we're going to go back. Uh, so, so for number one right here, biblical worldview, is, is it A, B, C, or D? D, and you stutter like I do. That's awesome. <laughs> got me a long way in school. Um, well, got me out of some things. Okay, yeah, so D. So uh, it's like, yeah, it'd be great if you had directions on there, Pastor. Uh, nihilism, A, B, or C? Yeah, yeah, it's good. A, moral therapeutic deism. C, that's right. And, uh, and secular humanism. B, good. Good. Very good. So nice, nice review. Nice review. So, uh, hey, don't be absurd. Nobody made us. We evolved by a chance from snowflakes. Intelligent design. Intelligent design. If you look at a Dr. Seuss book and you look at the colors and the characters and the theme, would you say that there was an intelligent designer behind that book? 100%. Doesn't take us to look very far to see this, to see that in our world, the sun 93 million miles away, put it 98 million, and we're freezing. Put it 70 million, and we're, well, we're like the toast I left in the toaster for an extra three minutes. That caused the whole house to stink. Except our Great Dane. Our Great Dane welcomed that. She likes burnt anything. And um, she knows where to go. She knows where the toast is. She knows where the, um, where the treats are. Okay. Hey. Did you know that at one point in time, it was thought that the fishbowl was flat? Again, worldview. How their worldviews have changed over time. And so has ours. So has ours. Very good. Hey, your worldview is so important to God that he explains how to properly form it. So God is encouraging you and me to embrace a biblical worldview, biblical theism. He wants this for us, and he lays it out. I wish I could have just had the time to, to teach that completely yesterday, but it was interesting that every time I got to the Jesus, the speaking of Jesus, uh, remember, Andrew, there was a group of guys over in the back over there, and they, were, they, they, they got really loud 
when it came time to, to speak on Jesus. And, and I don't think it was, even, it was even maliciously rude. It was creatively uh, uh, dark. And, uh, but uh, if, if God gave us the opportunity to hone in, to get really good at forming a biblical worldview, check this out. Seek God's truth and wisdom. Acts 17, 11 is on the chart there. You see it there. This context is checking Paul to see if he was a false prophet. So the Berean Jews were more noble character than those in Thessalonica. Um, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if, if what Paul said was true. So they're going from synagogue to synagogue, Paul's teaching. And here's what's interesting about that is that, is that they're not taking anything for granted. They're checking the scriptures to see if what was said was valid. You check me out. You go home and what I teach and you check it out. And if there's any question you have, email me. That's the best part of talking with you later because then we can talk about other things. And it's really, really cool. The second part in that, denying the primacy of human reason and emotion. Denying primacy of human reason and emotion. So you look through those scriptures. Remember, it's trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. How many things right now do you go, I don't get it. This isn't matching up. The numbers aren't matching up. Things are not, things are not looking good. I don't get how God's going to get me out of this. I don't get how he's going to help us. There seems like it's just no way. Well, I've got a two and a half pound brain and my creator knows the whole story. So we're encouraged to not go by our own understanding. These people, this couple is out. No hope for them. In Christ, that's poppycock. Not a chance. In Christ, there's always hope. Christ, Jesus helps us with everything we could possibly bring to him. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, bring it all. Be anxious for nothing. Bring it all. And that's what we're to do. Okay. So deny primacy of human reason and emotion. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight... Uh, with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Yes, that's God's word. That's John 8, 30 and 31. We, you and I, we can take the truth. And what does that verse say in John 8? It'll set us free. It'll set us free. I don't have to sit there and struggle, you know, with gluttony and all the things that I still struggle with, but I'm, I'm so slow at taking this verse to the promise. This is about people are labeling Paul as a false teacher and want to undermine his apostleship. This is what that's about. So he's saying, don't listen to these people that are talking poorly about me. Hold it up what they're saying to Christ, to his word. Then you'll see truth. So what it says is, yeah, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Could you imagine? You and I are bombarded by thoughts that are not of God all day. 
Imagine writing them down. You're like, oh, that takes time. I don't have a pencil. It's not a sharp pencil. I'm going to need the pencil for something later. I don't have a paper. This is a terrible piece of paper. I'm going to lose this paper. I've said all the excuses. I've got them all. Take something that you think that the devil has just put in front of you that's a lie, that's misleading. Write it down. And then write the scripture verse that says who you are in Christ. You're an overcomer because Jesus overcame. And so we've got, we're made in God's likeness and his image. We learned that in the men's group last Wednesday, 6.30 to 7.30 in my office. Just a little plug. Um, anyway, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's really cool that you can take thoughts, write them down, and then hold them to scripture. Uh, Dr. Bracey, um, would you say that's a good counseling technique to uh, practice uh, frequently for people that they write the thought down that's not of them, um, not true, and combat it with God's word? Does that, does that work? So if a PhD says yes, and he's Christian, and he's of noble character, it's good. It's good. We didn't even rehearse that. Yeah, that's right. That, that was free today for you. Okay. Number three, be obedient and faithful to God. Be obedient and faithful to God. Be obedient and faithful to God. See that? That's one of the verses, one of the verses, one of the verses. There's four more verses, four more verses. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. James says, faith without works is dead. That's the problem. We know what's right. We're not motivated to do it. It's like, what is, what is, what's in this for me? I want something tangible and now. I want a full belly. I want to feel full. You know what I'm saying? All the things of the world, they make, they come across as so beautiful. So beautiful. Dorothy, I don't know about you, but last night after we came back from uh, eating that food, I was sick. I think it was probably the two ice creams after we went out, but I was sick the rest of the night. Because I was looking for the void. I was just, I was really bummed out from that service. And I was looking to fill it with something. But I looked at Mexican food. And then I looked at two ice creams. And then I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go tomorrow. I feel that sick like throwing up. But that's what happens. We just don't take God for his word. And we go on and do worldly things. Oh. Hey, today. Just, just, just. Just quickly, we got three things to cover. Interesting things. Hey, all the money in the world and nothing good to buy. Okay. Klondike bar. That's right. But don't eat two of them. There's no reason to eat two of them. First one was really good, though. Oh. Okay. Here we go. Worldview 5 through 7. Postmodernism. Number five. Postmodernism. The term is associated with skepticism, irony, and philosophical critiques of the concepts of universal truth and objective reality. So this came after modernism, after the Enlightenment period. And this came in such a way, interestingly enough, that it was a kind of a rebuke to or refute to those other practices that, that talked about science, that talked about religion, God. This is saying, no, there's no objective truth. 
Everything is subjective. Your truth is your reality only. No universal truth in science or religion. Example, sun rises and sets from the east and the west, right? Not true. Because, because your sun is your sun. My sun, I call the sun the Jedi, the ultimate Jedi. So you go, wait a minute, that's my truth. Your truth's different. So you see, it's, I mean, this is an alive and well worldview. It's called postmodernism, okay? Eastern mysticism. Philosophy views the self as an illusion. Look at the bottom there. Buddhism, transcend, pra, transcendental meditation. Hare Krishna, and some elements of New Age philosophy, okay? We've got Eastern religions believe that we are all interconnected and part of a greater universe. You know people, you see them at some of the yoga places. Now, some of the yoga places, there, there's Christian yoga. Um, some of the yoga places are, are some deep meditation for this, for this Eastern mysticism. Because what they're trying to do, the gist of this belief system, is that the essential core of all living beings is part of the impersonal life force. The essence of existence is not personal and self-conscious, conscious, conscious. Rather, it is impersonal and without a personal self-consciousness. Your ultimate face, fate, is to have no self-conscious existence at all. Your life force simply exists as part of a larger impersonal mass. Wow, it's funky. But people eat this up, they embrace it. And it's just, it's alive and well. Um, finally, Marxism. Social and economic theory developed by Karl Marx in the 19th century. Uh, Marxian economics describes the capitalist system. That's the United States of America, the way we see it today, the way we see business today, the way we see economics today. The capital system of production as inherently unfair to the workers who represent most of the population. It favors socialism and communism over capitalism. So, so some people have that view. And uh, so imagine crisis with some, of these, with some of these belief systems. Imagine crisis like that. Imagine just having stress. Imagine just having to make decisions. You're thinking, it's a no-brainer, biblical worldview. But I got to tell you, something else has creeped in. This is the one thing that's creeped in that we're going to go to that 88% of our neighbors, 88% of our neighbors embrace. And of all the different generation lines, okay, all the people, all the houses, see Marlon's house, uh, see different houses there, 88% of the people Embrace something else. Let me show you and explain this. It gets really interesting because you're going, wait a second. What? What? There's, there's 80. That means such a low. Well, yeah. Let me go on. Hey, I want a story that won't challenge my worldview. I want to keep things the same. Funny you're at home on that one. Okay. Um, so all these seven worldviews make up blank percent of our population. 12%. It used to be a lot higher. I'll tell you what happened. A lot, of, a lot of what happened 
is going to become evident just in a couple moments here. This leaves 88% of our population to still account for. 88%. You're like, Don, why did we take so much time going through something that was 12%? Well, because they're, world, they're valid worldviews that, that people embrace. Hey, what it left is syncretism. Say syncretism. Yeah. The worldview that almost everyone in the U.S. possesses. This was done out of a couple different studies. But uh, lately, Dr. George Barna out of the Arizona Christian University um, uh, did some studies and uh, uh, just validated and validated and validated here. Check this out. This is one of his slides. Look at that. Look at biblical worldview. 6%. Why is that? I mean, we make up an elite group. We're different from the people outside. But we're not to become like the people on the outside, but we are to embrace them. And we are to love them. Because that's what Jesus modeled for us. So, so, so let's just look at this syncretism. Let's just look at this really quick. Check this out. Boomers, Generation Xers, Millennials, 18 to 75 years old. Here we go. Gen X and Boomers, 88%. Look at this. Horoscopes provide useful guidance for their life. I have Christian friends. I have Christian friends who say, you know, things are going okay. Yeah, I'm reading God's word and all that. But this morning, my horoscope said, I'm going to have some money coming in. Kid you not. Kid you not. That, that, that is something where it's like, you go, wait a second. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people look to horoscopes. They want something else. They want something else. Getting even with those who offend or harm them is defensible. Getting, getting even with them. God is not involved in people's lives. God is not involved in people's lives. Allowing people to own property facilitates economic injustice. Karma is viable life principle. Human beings have developed over a long period of time and from less advanced life forms to our current condition. The Bible is not the accurate and reliable word of God. And then millennials, look at that, 18 through 36, don't tend to, or do tend to believe that abortion performed to reduce personal economic or emotional discomfort to be morally acceptable. That premarital sex with someone expected to be their future spouse to be morally acceptable. Um, that they believe in reincarnation is a real possibility, and they don't tend to believe these three things about God. So this is, this is, our, this is our climate at Stater Brothers. These are our people, these are our people that, that we're going to interact with, that we're going to hopefully embrace and turn towards a biblical worldview. Hopefully. I mean, that's what we're looking at. That's the goal. Well, I think it's time to, to switch this. I want us to now just regroup. I want us to just think right now. Lord, there's a people group that um, we know we need to reach. And we know, Lord, that um, we know a lot about them just from the the information on the slides. 
But Lord, while that's part of the journey, there's a greater part of the journey. And that's honoring you, Jesus, and your splendor and worship, worshiping you for all that you are and knowing that you are the creator, sustainer of the universe. So help us to take these last six, seven minutes and really run deep into an intimate experience with you. Unlike what we've had maybe at the first part of the message, because we've dealt with the things of the world, but good information. In your precious name, Jesus, amen. Check this out. Mine. Just a little journey through our solar system. Everyone knows our planets and sort of how we fit in to the story here. You see really quickly that we're not even the biggest deal in our own solar system, but as Earth comes by, you have to know tonight that we are living on a privileged planet. Anyone would tell you we're living at one of the most special places, if not the most special place in all of creation. But Neptune comes by and Saturn and then Jupiter and you're like, okay, we're not all that big, even in our own little cul-de-sac. I just noticed the blue dot fading away is not the Earth. That's Neptune. The Earth has gotten too small to see anymore. Sirius comes by. Little plug for satellite radio. Not the biggest star, but the brightest star that we have found so far. Pollux, which we didn't mention. Arcturus. Such a beautifully named one, Regal. But then the one that messed me up. Our third star, Musifi. Musifi's cousin, W. Sifi. you couldn't come up here right now with a sharpie and make a mark a on the screen that would this approximate the size of our sun you couldn't even do it I mean when you look at these and their relative size we just have to put a little arrow over there that says if you could put the sun on here which you can't it would go somewhere about here and um, can you hang on that for me and when you see this, I don't know what happens to you, but I'll tell you what happens to me. A shrinking feeling comes over me, and it's not a bad shrinking feeling. It's a good shrinking feeling. Because sin, it has a, a way of shrinking God down in our minds and puffing us up in our own estimation. But just a glance into the universe that God has made resizes everything in a heartbeat. And you realize tonight we are worshiping an unrivaled, uncontested God of all kind of might and power and glory and awe who is, there's none like him anywhere in all of creation tonight. We are not here worshiping some little teeny tiny God. 
We are the teeny tiny ones, you and me. We are small and weak and fragile and frail. We are, you and me tonight, one of six and a half billion people on this little golf ball-sized planet in this massive universe that God has made. But I'll tell you, the miracle of tonight is, is crazy and crazier to me than the size of any star is that though we are but a vapor, you and me, and tiny and frail, we are marked by majesty. And we have been created in the very image of the God who breathes out the stars and put the universe into place. You and I are fashioned and formed and ordained by the God of all creation. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, you and I. We are a miracle. You're a miracle sitting in the building tonight. If I could just remind you just for a moment, you are somebody incredibly special. Wow. wow. So yeah. So when, when we pause and we go through postmodernism, and we go through and we see these these details where I don't call the sun or the moon the same as you and I've got my truth and reality and you have yours. Or we go through some of these other viewpoints that we just think, oh, we just bring it so far down and God is so much bigger. But yet he's, he's involved with us through a relationship. And that's just unlike any worldview would ever espouse or believe. Check this out. Check this out. Um, Approximately 460 billion, anybody care to say what I'm going to say? Earths can fit into the Canis Majoris, that huge star. That's a lot of Earths. This equates to a diameter of approximately 155,000 times that of the Earth based on volume alone. According to the biblical worldview, the entire universe fits into God's mighty hand, Isaiah 40, 12. And rotates, 2 Peter 3, 8. And according to Job 26, 7, is suspending over nothing. So as we, as we go and as we get ready for worldview 3, which is going to be the uncovering of, of the remedy to this all, this worldview problem. Um, let's just, what do we do with all this God information? And you know what it comes down to? It comes down to simply looking at who God has placed around you. Who are the, who's your oikos that God has put around you? The people he's intentionally put you in relationship and family with. That's what it comes down to today. And why is it that God has put you around these friends? Born again, not born again. Hopefully some not born again, remember? <laughs> That's a really tough road for people to go and die and be separated. <laughs> After final judgment, cast into a lake of fire? I could have cared for somebody a little better than that. I could have. So I realize it now. I can do something about it. So 
What can we do with all this information? We're going to, in the next couple weeks, we'll be looking just to hear. Is there anybody in your life, a family member from Arizona that you're pouring into? Somebody that comes into church that you're looking at, that you got your eagle eye on and go, yeah, I want him. I want her. This is what it all comes down to because this is the final message of Christ to his disciples before he left our earth. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Oh, we're okay on going. We're okay on baptism. But you be part of the making disciples. And then by one, by one, by one, we just, God just puts more people in our chairs. So that's the, that's the commission. That's what we do right now. Because in your oikos, in your oikos, is the people he's in, who he's, he's entrusted. Thanks for turning that down when I had it close to my mouth, trying to cause a different effect. Okay, so I can't play with the microphone. I know that. People are way too smart on the technology side. I can't outdo them, so I'm going to stop. I'm just going to stop. So, so, so really, really, who, we're here. Pastor Jack preached about Timothy and Paul. I preached about Timothy and Paul and, and how people grow up in Christ. And to wait for people to just come here, wait for people to just come here, I, we might be waiting a long time. And then they might come once and nobody's really taking a care or, or listening to them. And then they're gone and we had our chance. So we just not miss anyone. And we've got the greatest opportunity to, to know what we're fulfilling, the commission, the best way we can. So Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you, Jesus, that you and you alone are, are so, so worthy and Lord, there are people in here that can minister to their friends or other people that I would have no chance of getting an in with them. No chance whatsoever. But, but, but you've given us relationships for that purpose. Lord, forgive me when I've been put in a relationship with somebody and then after six to eight to, uh, uh, to ten weeks or ten months or ten years, I've done nothing with it. Forgive me for that. You're waiting for still for me to be faithful to do what your word says and to find blessing there. So help us to see it. We're done with the worldviews. Now it's the practical side, a biblical worldview, getting us on a road to trust you and not lean on our own understanding as to why we can't and why we won't and why we won't put verses down to help us overcome because we don't have a pen or pencil right there and the thought's gone an hour later. Jesus, there's so many things that you revealed to us that we need to be a part of, but so often we're just okay to just keep going. Just keep going. And we miss the blessing. We miss the growth. We miss the chance to see family getting blessed. And then our oikos, the people you've surrounded us with that we've befriended to find blessings fall upon them. You know, I think that kind of blessing 
would fill the void where, where a ton of food and two ice cream sandwiches really, really, I thought was going to help last night. That's just empty. It's a mirage. And it leaves you sick to your stomach. So forgive me of that. Thank you for giving us this church and this body. So, Lord, today I'm going to be committed to, to making the needle of that thermometer grow by embracing a person or two, three or four, and you'll know who that's, who that's going to be in the weeks to come. If you would be praying for that, would you, would you just stand up and maybe just join me in prayer? It's, it's a commitment that if you would be willing to say, I'm going to pray about this Oikos thing and looking to reach people, uh, would you just stand and join me in prayer? And if you don't want to hold my hand, we can just lock arms. I know I squeeze hard and I'm nervous like a, a Doberman can't stop pacing, but, but I promise not to infringe your, your space. I mean, if we're not moving now, yeah, thanks. If we're not willing to move now and say, I don't, there's just people out there that, that need us and I just don't have anything to share. God says you do. God says you do.